Coming to you from our opulent and luxurious 4x8 refurbished broom closet at the National Headquarters in Indianapolis. With duct tape, studio lights, and a mic that you barely can hear, we hope to entertain and educate you. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. And the world has not yet ended, so I guess the dude abides. I'm Mark Seavey, the Special Projects Counsel at the American Legion, coming at you from American Legion National Headquarters Autonomous Zone, Alhaz, where we have no warlords, no nightly festivities, but we also don't have any children, so it's nice and quiet. Come and join us anytime you'd like. Uh, however, as always, I'd like to start with apocalypse news, because you know that uh, every new week brings in some calamity or fresh harbinger of death. Uh, so in things that will end up killing you news for today, we go to the cocaine-addicted feral hogs in Italy. Uh, per the Business Insider, a pack of feral hogs found and destroyed $22,000 worth of cocaine that was hidden in a forest in Tuscany by a gang of suspected drug dealers. The boars dug up the drugs and broke into the package, uh, spreading thousands of dollars worth of the cocaine across the Tuscan forest. Uh, officers learned that the cocaine stash, uh, after placing a wire on a member of a suspected drug gang, and heard them complaining about the wild boar's destruction. Big fan of cocaine-addicted boars. Uh, I, I've, I've had enough with murder hornets, whose <laughs> so far death total is zero. So I, I, for one, welcome our new cocaine boar overlords <laughs> and look forward to their uh, excellent regime that's coming forward. It's it's like Kodos and Kang from The Simpsons. I, I am totally looking forward yes, to it. Yes, that's such a great reference. That's our, like a our, whole new right. flip on hog wild. Our, our, our porcine <laughs> overlords are coming. So I want uh, I'm joined. I want some of that What's, bacon. I want some yeah. of that cocaine. Well, that's what I say. Bacon. <laughs> Bring that here to Indiana. We love us some bacon here. Uh, so uh, I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Ashley Gorbulja Maldonado from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., and Jeff Daly from Hollywood, California. Ashley is a former MP in the Ohio National, Gore, uh, National Guard. And according to the article in the American Legion magazine this month, she collects vintage books. I have here my first edition oh. Cyrano de Bergerac from 1898, which I collect wow. as well. So we, we'll get so into impressed. we'll get into that. I I also have a French edition that's a first edition, and I have a playbill all uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. It's about an ugly infantryman who likes I women. I mean, so much about you. Yeah, wow. yeah. I do I do collect a lot of old books, and also of course we're joined by uh, Jeff Daly, uh, who. I think my favorite thing here, and we're going to have to discuss it at some point, but once drove across the country as a Hershey's Kissmobile ambassador, which well, is right. just the sweetest job ever. Uh, it's and, it's uh, spectacular. <laughs> and we like, were never allowed to use the phrase Hershey Highway, just so you know. Uh, I'll bet you can. <laughs> what, uh, like... How does one get to be the ambassador for the Kissmobile? And is that like a step up or a step down from like the Wienermobile? Well, we, uh, it was a job that was when I was in Chicago and I was doing Second City thing. And I worked for this marketing company and we did, uh, we did installations in the park for big festivals. And 
they were like, how do you feel about driving across the country? <laughs> and I'm like, well, whatever. And so, you know, you interview with the marketing company in Chicago, then you go to Pennsylvania and you interview with uh, Hershey's and off you wow. go. I drove cross country once with, uh, when I worked for the NRA, I drove cross country in this huge truck with a bunch of dead deer heads. They were like stuffed deer heads in the back of this thing. And we would go to like fairs and festivals. And the one that I went to was in Chillicothe, Ohio. And if you've never been to the Chillicothe, Ohio fair, you absolutely got to go. But they had grandstands set up and they gave an entire class on how to uh, gut deer. And I was just standing there in amazement as children and old people and everyone sat there in rapt attention in Chillicothe watching them dress a deer. It's really important to know where your food comes from and I've definitely had that experience in Ohio and a fun fact for the audience, Chillicothe was actually the first capital of Ohio before Columbus. So Chillicothe, yeah. And that's, I've actually, there's a, um, what is it, Camp Sherman that's down there. I used to do okay. best warrior competition and uh, do sponsorships down there. So it's some hilly terrain. So I'm not shocked and awe that yeah. you witnessed some venison masquerade. Yeah, I, I'm a big <laughs> fan of uh, Zanesville, Ohio, which is where I usually it's stop town. when I drive from yeah. here to uh, Washington, D.C. That's usually my stopping point. I'm a big fan of yeah. the departing flights from Ohio. You're a big fan of the Columbus airport, are you? (laughs) Only the departure. Yeah, getting out of here. So Ashley, just real quick, uh, in the story in the magazine about collecting vintage books, tell us a little about about your collection. Sure. So um, this kind of like started, I've been collecting weird knickknacks for a long time. Like I have an old jewelry set, like a whole, like mirror, brush, I used to spend like my weekends instead of like, I don't know, doing anything normal teenager things. I would go to this large place in Medina, Ohio. It's called the Medina Antique Mall. And I would just roam through booth after booth. And this is this huge kind of just exposition kind of open center. And I would just, I would just find things. And um, books ended up being kind of just like this cool little niche I would just get lost in. So, um, you know, I have, um, I have like an old 1950s edition of The Wizard of Oz. I've got Gone with the Wind. Uh, my oldest book is from the 18, it's like 1880s or so, and it is a poetry, literature, and art and religion. Um, it's got like poems from um, um, Waldo Emerson. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. So I've got like just kind of an array of different things. Nice. Um, but when I find things, I, I find things like I have old like ship liner trunks and stuff in my house. Um, I'm trying to think, I've got I've got old vintage jewelry. Uh, I, yeah, I just I just kind of something that I really have grown fond of, and I've got, I always loved the search and finding things. So yeah. books, of course, were my escape as a child. So to now find like all these books across you know generations is something that I've always admired, and now I I collect. Not yeah, a big, you, robust collection. I mean, I got for a, those at a yard sale for $1.50, I got a second edition of The Descent of Man here by uh, Charles Darwin, which I... That's awesome. Pretty cool little uh, thing. I like collecting books, so... For two ninety nine, cool. For two ninety nine, I can get that on a Kindle app, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And... I think you've missed the point, but that's okay. We're here for I you. I know. I missed, I missed the point because I played outside and avoided hoarding. <laughs> right. You so. know what? I played outside too. I used to I used to make forts. I used to play in the creek. I used to do all kinds of fun stuff. My parents so, used to be like, come back at sunset. Okay? You, weren't, you weren't buying jewelry in Medina, Ohio, Jeff? You were out oh, no. <laughs> doing normal things? <laughs> all right. Well. We will start uh, with Jeff. <laughs> Obviously, the uh, it, our prediction last week about the uh, about the protests and stuff seems to have borne out. They seem to have calmed down considerably. We've got a lot more people going to bed when they should, and a lot less uh, burning and everything else. But we have been getting a lot about you know people always going to say, "What's the Legion's thing? What's the Legion's thing? What's the Legion?" Well, they can stop waiting. Jeff, tell us about what the Legion response was. Well, what I, uh, you kind of stole my intro into that because I am out there and I hear and I see the scuttlebutt. And for the, the probably three listeners who have nothing to do with the uh, military, uh, scuttlebutt is just rumors and chit-chat out there. And the thing that really stuck out to me was that people honestly believe, and there was a story about it, that veterans organizations, including the American Legion, have been silent during all of this. And so I started looking around and I realized, uh, first of all, we're a nonpartisan organization and this thing has been hijacked by partisan politics. So it would kind of be against our mission to jump into that fray. But recently on the Legion.org website, there was not one but two articles addressing race. And uh, one was from the national commander himself, Bill Oxford. and. Part of his thing was he said, the American Legion stands on principles and serves purpose worldwide that are violated when justice, freedom, and democracy are not applied equally, regardless of race, color, creed, or class. That comes from the national commander himself. So not only one, but there's two things. There's another article. It's a rather lengthy but good article about the history of the American Legion in terms of civil rights. We've talked about this before on here uh, because CV knows history better. It's like he was living it. Yeah. That's how well he knows it. I, so You can tell the, from the gray in the beard I was living it. <laughs> you were. So in, in, in that article, they, they, the quote I have is too long. But, it's, uh, but it's, it was a national... Um, resolution that's still in effect expressing firm support of equal rights and opportunities without distinction as to race, color, creed, or class. And so the American Legion was years ahead of their own internal civil rights and voting than the actual country of America. So to me, to say that the American Legion is silent is patently false. To say that the American Legion doesn't have a position May own, the, the main problem that I see that the American Legion may need to look at is we're not amplifying it enough so that people don't understand uh, where we stand and what we do because we're obviously we're not carrying a banner that says the American Legion in a, a marching protest, but we have significant influence over legislation and a large body of human beings who are active in their communities. And I think those are the those are kinds of grassroots things that uh, that encourage uh, long term change. So 
that was my response to people. Actually, I typed a lot longer than I even spoke right now because things just fall out of my mouth and through my fingers. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop there because I don't want to go on forever. And and I'm also curious uh, what you guys have been hearing out there. Ashley, we'll go to you first because I'll have more on that. Sure. Um, so recently, I had uh, I had shared an article that Task and Purpose had had put out um, regarding the I think it was entitled along the lines of like deafening silence from veteran service organizations. And I remember reading it <clears throat> and um, you know just kind of taking a step back from it and understanding that what our or what our organization is and big picture and how uh, there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of things going on right now and you know as 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 I took that step back and I understood like who the authors were for that that document or I'm sorry that blog um, you know I I understood where they were coming from and I think in the grand scheme of everything happening right now is that we need to take this opportunity to expand our paradigm expand the way that we see the world and seeing the world through other people's eyes and practice practice um, acceptance and um, kindness towards one another because um, as as a veteran community we we have that you know that call to action that selfless service these these values that are innate to us whether you served in the air force or the army or you know you're a marine or a navy or coasty or newly found space force i mean there are these common threads that bring us together and i just want others to understand that you know the american legion and all of our brothers and sisters of arms like this is our opportunity to stand together and that you know we just have to understand what what we can and cannot do and um i think that the american legion has definitely been around <laughs> quite a while and They've been helping folks near and far, so I just ask that you know people just kind of expand their paradigm and understand the issues at hand and like what our mission is as the American Legion. Yeah, and here's my problem: is that structurally speaking, the American Legion is not a top-down organization. It's not as if the American Legion National Headquarters says do X and then everyone is ordered to do X. We're not the general in charge of the armies. And if you look at our programs, whether it's the riders or baseball or Boys State or any of these things, other things, they start as state level programs. The states do the programs and then they trickle up. And when there's enough sufficient forward progress, like in Boys State, once you have eight or 10 Boys States, it makes sense to adopt it as a national program. But what we don't have at the American Legion is some sort of oligarchy where four or five employees are sitting around, you know, going, hmm, what should we do now to take over the world? So people were saying that uh, the American Legion is silent. And I read that article, too. The American Legion wasn't silent. You just didn't see something from the national headquarters because we don't dictate to our posts and our departments what to do. It's got to start with them. So I started seeing things like I saw... Um, there was some boys state and girls state people from Rhode Island that put out a statement that we believe X and we're really pushing for it. And then I saw Kansas did it. And then I saw posts and departments and that trickles up. Now, yes, the American Legion could have come out right off the bat and said, this was our post, this was our resolution in 1923 and we're gonna reiterate it. But people are gonna wanna know what we think now. Well, 
again, we don't have a secret cabal of people sitting in an upstairs room here. We have to hear from our people. So, you know, would I have liked the, the statement that we put out? Would I have liked it two weeks early? Yeah, but that's not the way the American Legion works. We run off resolutions. We run off mm -hmm. what the grassroots tells us. So, and it's the same thing that we get complaints from people on the other side. It's like, when are you going to tell American Legion posts across the country to open up? Enough with this Corona stuff. And it's like, we didn't tell posts to close and we're not telling them to open either because that's got nothing to do with the national headquarters. The national headquarters encourages people to follow their state and local rules. We don't tell people what to do. So that article I thought was really unfair in that sense because it, you know, the national commander, he put out a statement about the destruction to the, or the, the stuff that was written on the World War II Memorial. Well, the American Legion helped build that memorial. We helped push it through. We have resolutions supporting the World War II Memorial. We have all these things. The American Legion does not have a resolution on the books about George Floyd or Black Lives Matter or protesting or any of these other things. So to think that the national headquarters is just going to come out of left field and issue a statement, that doesn't work for anyone. This The American Legion is a group of two plus million people and it's got to trickle up it's not a trickle down thing so you know i i think what we did was the right thing to do and i get people wanted us to do it faster but come on people give us a little yeah. slack it's not as if we're indifferent to what's going on jeff well i agree with you mark and i will and i will say <clears throat> that it is coming from the it is coming from the grassroots and, and it is sure. trickling it up mm -hmm. um the commander of my post jennifer campbell put out a statement on uh, we we put it out through all of the social media that, of our social media venues our post social media venues and it and it had an impact i mean obviously there there are people who didn't agree with the position uh but i think overall what it did was it definitely whether you agreed with it or not jennifer campbell led the discussion in the in the veteran community at least in california so I, and and then i would say that from that there have been more and more discussions and from that it trickled all the way up and then just like you said then then it comes from from national and, because and, the, I, and, absolutely. I, and i will say one of my favorite people in the entire american legion and i say this without reservation but is you but i was going to say autry james you're a judge oh, advocate autry, there yeah. in california who is Former one of the advocate. A judge advocate. he is one of the smartest people i've ever met in my entire life mm -hmm. he's a prosecutor in oakland uh he is african-american if if people didn't know that and he's had a lot of good things to say about this and he you know they Everyone's like, you should listen to what people are saying. Well, I'm listening to what people are saying. I listened to Jeff talk about uh, Tupac quotes for as long as I could the other day. Uh, I listened to what Autry James puts in you know, it. And, and I think that you're, that's exactly how the Legion is supposed to work, that people down at the local level or at the state level or whatever say these things, and it builds a head of steam. But to think that the American Legion is going to come out with a statement on something we don't have resolutions on, we just don't have the authority to talk about these things until we're given the authority by our masses. And we just didn't have it. So thought the article was unfair. I'm glad we seem to have gotten past that. And like we said last week, there are legionnaires out there marching every day. 
There are legionnaires that are out there in uniform policing these things. And there are legionnaires out there in military uniforms that are taking their orders. There's no, you know, we have to balance all of these things. And, and when Jeff said, you know, these, any sort of movement like this is going to get co-opted into a political manner. The American mm-hmm. Legion has to be incredibly careful where we wade into things. That what Today's protests might mean one thing to one person, but if there's new protests that start up tomorrow and there have been protests about when are we going to reopen the states, the American Legion is not going to wade into those things. We just, it's not within our umbrella. So, but, you know, I think we're making, I think we're making the right moves. All right, we're going to take a uh, quick break here to, uh, to pay some of the bills. Did you know that you could cut a five-pointed star in one snip? Betsy Ross did. Learn her secret and many other things you might not know about Old Glory in the American Legion's bookazine, Indivisible, the story of our flag. Available at legion.org forward slash emblem sales. All right, break over. All right, we're going to go now uh, for our second topic to a story that we actually had talked about a little bit last time, and that's the renaming of bases. And we're talking largely about Fort Bragg, Fort Benning. It's apparently all only Army bases. Uh, Bragg, Benning, Hood, Fort AP Hill. Um, I can't even think of what the names of. And the big discussion now is that being named after Confederate officers now, historically, I think one can probably understand why they were named after Confederate generals in the sense that these were largely located in the South and it was in the buildup to World War One and then World War Two, and we needed to have the local people involved and everything else. That time has obviously passed. Uh, and so now there are some who argue that we should keep it for historical context. I mean, Fort Bragg, when I think about Fort Bragg, the last thing I think about is Confederate General Braxton Bragg. Never once in my entire life have I sat around thinking about Braxton Bragg. It, just, it wasn't my thing. But if they're going to rename them, and it looks like they may, today uh, uh, Mitch McConnell had said that he's okay with renaming military bases. Um, but I, and I, and I don't have an opinion on any of that. But one thing that's coming out is that there's discussion about naming the bases after Medal of Honor recipients. And in particular, Fort Hood that we're going to talk about later because they've been having a pretty rough week. Uh, but they were talking about naming it uh, after Master Sergeant Raul uh, Perez Roy Benavides, who I ha- actually had the pleasure of meeting him at uh, the Bush inauguration, which does show you how old I am. The first Bush inauguration, uh, I was escorting him around. But uh, he was a a uh, special forces guy in Vietnam. In 1965, he stepped on a landmine during a patrol and was evacuated to the United States. Doctors at Fort Sam Houston concluded that he would never walk again. Stung by the diagnosis, this is from Wikipedia here, it's stung by the diagnosis as well as flag burnings and media criticism of the U.S. military presence in Vietnam that he saw on TV, he began an unsanctioned nightly training ritual in an attempt to redevelop his ability to walk. He would get out of bed at night against doctor's orders. He would crawl using his elbows and his chin 
to a wall near his bedside, and with the encouragement of his fellow patients, many of whom were permanently paralyzed and missing limbs, he would prop himself up against the wall and attempt to limit to lift himself unaided by wiggling his toes, then his feet. It took him months and months and months, but after over a year of hospitalization, he walked out of the hospital in 1966. Now, he received the Medal of Honor for things that happened in 1968. So it was years after that. And you're just going to have to go and read about what this guy did in Vietnam. He's one. The other one that I've heard is that Fort Bragg uh, may be named after Alwyn Cash. Uh, if you don't know who Alwyn Cash is, he was a uh, African-American guy who served in uh, the Iraq War. And his vehicle... Uh, got hit. He was thrown out of the vehicle, but he was entirely covered in petroleum gas. And the the uh, vehicle was on fire, and there were men inside it, covered in gasoline. He went back in there and started rescuing people. Obviously, he caught on fire. All of his clothes burned off, except for his helmet and his body armor, and he was still pulling out people out of this flaming wreckage while he was on fire. And he passed away several years later. He's actually in the news today because his son has recently enlisted in the Army and he's about to graduate uh, from Fort Benning basic training. So my hat is off to you, my friend. I have always believed, always believed that Cash should have received the Medal of Honor. And it would be just, it, it would really warm my heart if they do rename Fort Bragg after him. But what do you guys think about this renaming the, the bases? Well, the first thing... I want to say is that the first gentleman uh, that you spoke about is making me feel incredibly lazy with my COVID workout routine. <laughs> I can't get myself to do like the push-ups that I say I was going to do every day, like the 30-day challenge. And he he literally rebuilt his ability to walk, right. starting with his toes. Right. He started That's with crazy. his toes. So uh, <laughs> that mentality. Is, shows that uh, I, I believe everything that he did leading up to getting the Medal of Honor uh, because that's that's that kind of mindset that uh, can be an inspiration to any to anyone with his name on the building and I hope that if they do rename these buildings and I kind of hope they do that these stories get out there as well you said like you said you didn't I never knew, I never knew what Bragg was, until I saw it spelled. I, I thought maybe the army was boasting. <laughs> I never knew what any of these, <coughs> what oh, any of these names mean. <laughs> At least I know how to spell. I mean, I, once I saw it, I was like, oh no, that's a name. So, if all of these. It's the stories, and it's the chance right. to inspire. When a university renames a library, there's a, or something else, if it's not just because of money, which a lot of times it is, but if it's because of, it's a contribution that somebody has made to society, and I really hope that these stories get out there, and um, maybe I'll have to write a resolution since it has to come from the grassroots, but maybe the American Legion could make these stories well-known when and if these names change. Yep. Ashley? Yeah, I, you know, it's 
it wasn't until it was like brought to my attention that I actually went and I like Google searched like you know the the origins of name of and I was like oh wow okay interesting um I know just with all the conversations I think it's really important that if we are going to redo this that we do it right and we find people that it just exemplify extraordinary like character and um, who have put on our nation's cloth. I think it's just so important. And I know that I just recently shared um, that there's definitely an opportunity potentially to name um, one of these installations after a woman veteran, because hmm. um, that is not a thing. So uh, I had just actually shared an article about uh, like just different recommendations. And one of them was uh, Harriet Tubman, Army Scout and Spy. Like that'd be pretty cool, right? Or um, Edith uh, Norris Rogers, she's the mother of the yeah. whack. Like yeah. or uh, Lori Pasto Pastoia. I apologize if I didn't say that correctly. But uh, Piestoa. 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 Did I say that right? Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, she was the first Native American woman um, to to die in combat, yeah. um, and she served as an inspiration to her her fellow um, soldiers. And I've actually run some interesting stories with two other women who end up were um, prisoners of war. Um, when that same incident had happened, it's yeah, super that was crazy. that was during the uh, oh the I can't remember the girl from West Virginia that got captured, Jessica Lynch. Piesta mm -hmm. was her best friend, and I know that yeah. we have a Legion post named after her. I mm -hmm. think in Illinois, if memory serves, but yeah, absolutely yeah. agree. So, so there's some really cool options out there, and I think it really could come back to how do we optimize this and showcase these American heroes who have gone above and beyond. Who have may may have not gotten the same opportunities historically than others, you know. So I think it's pretty neat. That and uh, Jeff, you were talking about, uh, you know, when uh, Benavides was, you know, started out working with his feet. When I did the Boston Marathon last year, there was a gentleman walking with us that was a double amputee, and so he had two prosthetic feet, and he was carrying about fifty pounds. And someone took a picture of him and put it up as a meme. And it's like, whatever your excuse is, is invalid. And that mm -hmm. was exactly right, that that guy struggled. I mean, it, it's not easy to walk 26.2 with a heavy backpack in the first yeah. place. This dude did it with no feet. But on a second note, if there is ever a fort named after Sal Junta, Clint Romache, or David Bellavia, those are going to be the places to go. I'll just leave it at that because those are my three favorite people. And if Sal Junta is at the naming of his base, oh boy, bring bring lots of uh, recovery medicine, if you will. Maybe some <laughs> uh, maybe some Pedialyte. But some uh, Pedialyte. I was about to say Pedialyte. I, yeah, that's you're like going to need it. Fix all. I still keep Pedialyte around in my yeah, my cabinets I, and in my fridge. The, Sal Junta is uh, he is. Uh, He's a legend on the battlefield and off. Uh, he's just great. All right. So number three, Ashley, we're going to go to you uh, talking about video games, something right. you uh, you know quite a bit about. I know quite a bit about this topic, and I am not a connoisseur of video games. Um, so fun stuff. So the U.S. Army is paying real life, you know, Green Beret to play video games. Okay, so this whole article is fabulous, but I just want others to know that this is a huge marketing campaign that is being pushed out out of Kentucky. And I'm, I'm shocked and awe because my husband actually plays video <laughs> games for the National Guard, ladies and gentlemen. So um, the studio that I am sitting at right now, for those that are watching this video, 
um, is compliments of trying for him trying to get onto streaming and Twitch and finding games and this microphone, like all these things are just even this chair. Like, let's be real, okay? The video games is a huge marketing tool to connect with younger generations. Um, and just, it's, it's a unique way to connect with people. Um, the video game industry is, is rapidly growing. I mean, there's so many components to it. And I, I, I mean, ugh, so much money. My husband has explained this to me and he would actually like, I'm surprised, like if he were here and if he wasn't on duty, he probably would like poke his head out through the video and be like, let me tell you about the National Guard. Let me tell you about my video games. Like, but he loves it. And it's funny because there are so many um, soldiers, Air Marines, there's so many people that connect constantly through video games. And even through COVID, video games have been, um, a way for people to still interact with one another. Um, so what's really cool about this is um, they're trying to through a slew of video games. Okay, it's not just like first first person like uh, first person shooter games. Um, it's not just like Call of Duty, um, but there are other games out there uh, that people are playing together. And you know, it's it's very subtle. They'll have like their own Twitch page. They will also promote through Facebook. Um, there's like a, there's now a gaming option on Facebook, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So they can now stream video games on on Facebook for more views for local reach. So for those that are like, oh, I really like this, this, and that. What's nice about it is, well, I know at least when my husband does the commentary, is he talks about his experiences and it's an opportunity for people to ask questions and just be very genuine and my husband also being a recruiter so hey anyone in dc no i'm just kidding plug <laughs> he'll be so happy so not only is he a recruiter but he also plays video games so he takes the time to educate folks who are interested about what opportunities might be available to them so it's a unique way instead of you know you know just always showing up to a high school or showing up to just a, a recruiting fair and you know passing out a flyer and say join right um but it's jeff it's do you do you ever watch online video not at all i no. never watch online video games i'm playing one right now actually though <laughs> um the current count for ashley saying my husband it, we're up to seven <laughs> in the story so my that's husband. my that's my that's eight that's my that's... video game that i'm i'm playing right now i i'm a little worried about this being a recruiting thing it's it, and i know people are playing other games but the the article says that the focus of this thing with the green beret gentleman is playing is call of duty yeah uh, i hope these kids realize that you can't do crazy things and respawn or whatever you do yeah. <laughs> like to get your life back you kind of right. need to kind of need to hone it in and i i believe that the military had it was i think it was the army i think they had their own video game several years ago that they tried to make popular yeah but... they did they as a recruiting tool it was like uh i i totally remember what you're talking about but yeah i think it was too realistic so it wasn't fun well, I, I would love the I would love the National Guard video game where you just kind of stand there in a line, you wait, and then oh. you wait another two hours to go get your shots, you know, so you can get through SRP, and then you have to go and talk to the JAG lawyer about your will when you don't really own anything. Like a National Guard one would be great. And it's like you're watching the clock most of the time to figure out when the game's going to be over, and you could go home. Yeah, it'd be perfect. 
Perfect. I, I yeah, will I don't say. I what duty day you're describing, but I'm jealous because oh, I, I don't think I ever really had a duty day like that. Oh, those, those Muta Fives, Muta Five weekends where you're sitting there on a Sunday in football season and you don't seem to be. No idea what's going on. You know, oh. I had soldiers who would find a way, I'm telling you. Like, yeah. they would be like hot spotting it up, like putting their phones, <laughs> yeah. waving them back and forth, trying to get a signal. Yeah. Um, but I, I did want to comment. I know Jeff brought up a good point in regards to like the realism of all of this. And yeah. um, what's important is like, at least from my understanding and at least watching my husband interact and having like now having some like little bit of a knowledge <laughs> <laughs> um, that he pretty much debunks most yeah. of the things that are incredibly unrealistic. And there are some fun videos out there of, um, of military personnel like reviewing games and they're just like, no, you don't know. You, you would never roll like that. You would never put, you no. know, you know, your weapon into the dirt like that. Like that's that's game over. Like no. Right. But there's some really fun videos out there of like military folks reviewing these, and know that like these conversations are being had in, um, in these forums. It's it's really neat. Um, as a marketer myself, I'm always just kind of a little skeptical, skeptical because I'm like, how are you guys measuring Twitch? Like how are you measuring this? And yeah. I don't know. We'll uh, see. I, we'll see what happens. I don't. Think I will say just... that the other day I sat there with 137,000 other people and watched a middle-aged guy play an NCAA football game from 10 years ago. He was a national champion. Shout out to Gus Duggerton, the head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> He'll be playing in the national championship game again, I think, tomorrow. But cool. I, I never thought I would be a guy to watch it. I talked to you earlier about it, Jeff. I go to bed at 8 o'clock. Last night's game was the SEC championship game. It was on at 9.30. I stayed awake to watch a grown man play a video game. I'm telling it, you, there's an audience for it. An old it, video game. An and old I, video. It's not even video a current video an game. Audience. All yeah. kinds of games. Like my husband, yeah. that's 10. <laughs> he tries to explain to me like how... Uh, how Twitch works and how the platform will, depending on what game you're playing and like how many people are playing that game with you, like it either saturates or it unsaturates like your visibility. Um, so like finding a cool niche game where like you yeah. are a standout versus like going into Call of Duty, for example, that's a very popular. So there's a lot of strategy that goes behind it that I've been kind of trying to like, you know, piece me together for a while now. I mean, he just got this space game and he's just got like all these contraptions. And I was like, what are you practicing? Are you trying to become a Space Force recruiter? A spaceman. when he hears this. <laughs> I think he's not home. <laughs> Wait, who's, who's gonna laugh? My husband. <laughs> 11. <laughs> I love Jeff, you so much. Jeff, <laughs> you are winning, dude. You are totally winning your new game. I'm starting to twitch, watching Ashley. <laughs> all right, let's take another break here to pay the bills. So you were discharged with a 20% disability rating, but now you can't hear so well and need help. Contact an American Legion service officer. Service officers are free of charge and they help all veterans. Find one near you with our online tool at legion.org forward slash service officers. All right, people, we are on to the rapid fire and we're gonna at least start this with the Fort Hood edition. Uh, as I mentioned, Fort Hood not having uh, a great a great week here. First article is from Military Times. Nine Army families are suing their privatized housing landlord at Fort Hood, Texas, alleging the company failed to fix 
their mold-infested, dilapidated housing, sickening their family and causing hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage to their belongings. Here's the quote uh, from the attorney representing the family. Fort Hood is nicknamed the great place, but service members and their families have discovered that living there is anything but great. <coughs> Excuse me. Instead, many service members' uh, time living there has been marred by neglected, filthy living conditions in on-post housing that has caused the service members and their families injury, personal property damage, illness, heartache, and insult. Ashley, what do you think about this one? Mm. I agree. So I, mm, I get I get upset about these these situations because these are military <clears throat> these are military families who are you know, being uprooted every so often, right? And they're going into subpar housing and then they're expected to also, you know, put up with all of the military life of their of their spouse or partner. And then there's children in those houses. So as my public health background, like all of all of the red flags are just all the beeping sounds is red flags. They're just it makes me upset. Very upset that this is happening and it's being allowed. Jeff? I'm currently a uh, resident property manager, and when I hear the word mold, uh, I panic because I know it's going to be a huge pita in my life. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting to me that the government allows this to go on because, let me tell you, when, when you see uh, government subsidies to, to help people who need help in housing, Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things the landlord hates is that the, now that the government, if they get an inkling of a complaint, they come and inspect everything. So That's in the right. private in the private sector, the government puts a hammer on landlords, but contracted on base, they're allowing these people to live in mold, which yeah. is completely unacceptable and. It makes me wonder. It makes me wonder about the nature of these contracts and who's how people are related to other people that are getting them. Mm-hmm. Because it's it it doesn't make any sense coming from a government that I know takes those kinds of uh, offenses really seriously. And right. I, I mean, I hate to I hate to wear the tinfoil hat of corruption, corruption, corruption. But I, I, I sense that there's some going on here. And there's it something needs going to be on. Rooted, it needs to be rooted out. To have 11 neighborhoods with over, like, <clears throat> almost 6,000 just shy, like, you know, 5,500, yeah. like, that's that's crazy. That's unprecedented. That is a community emergency. Like, that's not right. Well, just, just so we don't think that the problems at Fort Hood are limited to mold, mm. uh, we also have this story from KCEN-TV. Uh, 14 people were arrested after a two-day sex trafficking pimp and prostitution sting that was conducted by the Temple Police Department and Bell County Sheriff's Department on March 13th and 14th. Twelve traffickers were arrested for agreeing to engage in a sexual act for fee. Six of the 12 traffickers are active-duty enlisted soldiers at Fort Hood. Hmm. (laughs) Let me tell you right now, there's a difference... Those six that are enlisted are going to have consequences that are swift and significant for the rest of their lives. They are not going. They are not going to a jury of twelve that can be manipulated, and or anything. They're it, they're it's not going to be good for them, and uh, it, it shouldn't be good for them. 
and I hope that the other six get what's get what's coming to them and don't plead to some minor thing and uh, basically you're back on the street in in a too short of a time because this is a this is not just the victims of this are, the victims of this are are human beings but there's another victim and it's just humanity in general the fact that Absolutely. humanity allows this decreases and I think there is I think there's a finite amount of humanity out there it's a I know it's a vague topic it's kind of out there but it gets depleted when I read when I read stuff like this that people can do this to other people yeah then I it's just want to I'm getting the knife hand on camera here right now because it's <laughs> just that important to me and I and I uh, I just I weep for humanity when I read this stuff, and I, and I say that in hundred percent seriousness, that yeah. I really do. It's 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 disheartening. Yeah, yeah. Can you, I mean, imagine being a recruiter down there now, and you're like, uh, you know, you too can have a moldy house and prostitutes on every corner. Like that is not what you want if the military is going to be a family occupation. Uh, but you're right. The six who are military are screwed forever yes. now like they they're just done the other six will probably get a slap on the hand but it's not going to affect them nearly as much but if you're an active duty soldier man yeah, use your use goodbye your benefits. brain goodbye. yeah goodbye, goodbye everything. rationality is what we can refer to that as <clears throat> goodbye yeah try yeah. to get your service connected for your mold now because you're gonna have a bad conduct discharge at the best at best no they're best. they're gonna do they're gonna do break time and they're gonna get a dishonorable and I mean, it, I'm no, uh, I'm no uh, jag or anything, and, but I can't, I can't see how they escape this without brig time and a dishonorable discharge. I, I don't, I don't see yeah, how. It's I, 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 I don't know. That's, that's just that, that'll just follow. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, it's not, not great. Right. It makes me well, sad. On a on a good note for those of you uh, at Fort Hood and elsewhere in the U.S. Army, um, we've got a new physical fitness test coming up. But this story uh, from I think it was in Yahoo, but beginning October first, the modified version of the Army Combat Fitness Test will become the service's new fitness evaluation. But training challenges created by the coronavirus pandemic will mean that individual scores will not count against soldiers until 2022. Rather than delay the implementation of the fitness evaluation, the Army will instead replace the APFT on October 1st with the ACFT-2. And I got to tell you about this one because the ACF 2.0 consists of six events. The maximum deadlift, standing power throw, hand release push-ups, spring drag and carry, leg tuck, and the two-mile run. I... I've never understood the Army's physical training points anyway. I yeah. Like, I don't know how many times in combat you're doing a power throw, a standing power throw. I don't know what any of these things mean. If it were me, I, I would stick to the old standby of, can you do 12 miles with a rucksack in under three hours? But what do you guys, I mean, if you're running two miles in combat, you're in a lot of you're trouble. You're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Like two miles is a really long way to go. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with this because so um, right before I was getting out, uh, so I got on November 2019, um, National Guard Army, right? So 
we had already started like training and practicing like i remember our lieutenants like that was part of like the the daily checkoff list kind of thing right and we were going through it i mean i had soldiers who couldn't pass the regular pt test and i i admittedly like i have definitely failed a pt test after my injury it was miserable it was the worst feeling trying to get back up on that and then be on profile and so when I think about injuries, I think about, you know, modifications. Uh, absolutely. If you are running, if you have to run two miles and you're in combat, you're, oh, you're in, wow. Like, it, that's something, like, out of a movie because the way the modern world works, especially in MP land, like, you know, we will, we, we are mountain dismount off of vehicles and you're not getting off that vehicle. And if you got to run two miles, I <laughs> I get I cover sectors of fire at that point. <laughs> you guys, are, you guys are you guys are killing me right now. Well, you're right. three mile, two, right? Yeah, it's always been yeah, three, three miles, mile. and it you're not you're training above what you would do, what you would have to do. You don't have to run two miles to get the benefit of having the lung capacity to I, do I, that I, to I, do your to do your rucks. Which I, no I, one's I, no one's going to stand around for hours and evaluate a ruck run going to disagree with the health benefits of being able to do right. the task right my my, no, my but, argument is less that it the, 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 you know i've seen some dudes that could run two miles a hell of a lot faster than i ever could but they're also like six foot two and weigh 115 pounds so yeah. if one of us got hit i don't know that they could carry anybody out i like the fact that the physical fitness test is at least going towards things that are useful in a military situation like mm-hmm. like i'm a big fan of obstacle courses it would be nigh on impossible to make a obstacle course at every base that was exactly the same so you could test it but i like the fact that they're going towards an actual goal that has something to do with your job i'm just not mm-hmm. entirely sure i don't even know what half of these things are so the, like, right for I example think the- mark like the hand release like push-up like it was it was super awkward to do because it just it like defies all of the rules of push-ups right so like you're going down you're coming back up but what was interesting is every time we ran ranges that you do that same motion like when you're getting up um from from like you know shooting and right so yeah. like it, it was really interesting so like having a little bit of the background and watching how some of these would be useful yes um like I really like the the dragon carry. I think that one's really important because, like you know, we yeah. have the dragon harness. Right. We've got all these different yep. you know tools. Yep. Like you know, I'm you know, 160 pounds. Am I gonna be like really throwing somebody over? No, I'm gonna be dragging them because I got power booty and I got power legs, baby. Like that's what I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna I'm gonna solicit my friends and we're gonna get that person out of there. I like, have zero just... comment. I have zero comment on Ashley's quote unquote power <laughs> booty. Um. I'm sorry. It's just, it's the truth. Like I could drag, like I could, I could like drag weight. I could pull weight. Like, but like, you know, when it came to like putting weight on my shoulders, like I could carry, you know, the ruck I could carry and I could do all of the tasks, but prolong, like I definitely didn't see myself carrying like my 200 pound battle next to me who happened to be a man. Like I didn't like, I would be fixing up some contraption to like figure out how to like use a lever. Or we, I don't know. I'd be like trying and to I, get illiterate. I'd be like dragging him on that. I'd attach him to it. Like I'd figure something out. I, I don't want to drag on what's supposed to be rapid fire, but I will say <laughs> that uh, if these things are so important, why is the army delaying it? Because people aren't up for it. 
People need to get up for it. Now, I've, yeah, people need to get now, up. Now, now the Marines, the Marines have their own problems. They have people dying right now doing training. So there's probably there's probably a thing in the middle. But I, I don't think you should just get rid of your standards because people aren't living training. up to them. Living you up get, to them, yeah. You get them up to them. I mean, you shouldn't be killing them while you get up to them. But you should be getting up. So like we're here and we're here. Let's try to let's try to get here. I think and from a logistics standpoint, they didn't realize how long the actual test would take. So for a drill weekend, that test would take out a huge block of time because I think it was like I seven, can't care. eight minutes. Like, I can't per care task if they're saying if they're saying it's important. I can't care how long it takes. If they're saying it's yeah. mission critical, then put it in the mission and get it done. Yeah. That's just that's just how I feel about. That whole situation there, CB. You're the lawyer. Tell, really really you Tell me how you really feel. Yeah, look at Jeff getting all I'm fired getting up. No, fired I agree up. with you. I agree. Fired up today. I, I, fired up in rapid fire. I didn't want to be that guy, but I'm glad you are that guy. <laughs> like, I agree. If you got a standard, stick to the damn standard. There's no excuse. Coronavirus or no coronavirus. Just get out there and start training. All right, let's go to our last one, a rapid fire. And this is uh, a sad one, which we hope uh, will get uh, rectified by the time that this actually airs. But uh, there is a missing soldier at Fort Hood, and uh, this is from CBS News. The reward to help find missing Fort Hood, Texas soldier Vanessa, Vanessa Gillen has doubled to 50,000 nearly two months after she uh, disappeared. The search for Gillen has attracted nationwide attention including support from Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia and actress Selma Hayek. The Army CID said that Gillen, 20, had not been heard of since April 22nd. She was last seen in the parking lot of her military unit's headquarters in Fort Hood wearing a black T-shirt and purple fitness-type pants. Her car and room keys, identification card, and wallet were found in the armory room where she was working earlier that day. Um, she had claimed that she had been sexually harassed by a sergeant. There's no no one knows if that's related to it or anything but boy i, ho I hope we uh, i hope we find her soon that is just a sad case and the family's concerned because she just disappeared from a military base which is i mean if we're doing 100 percent checks at the gates and everything right. else you i don't know yeah, what's going how on that, how did that get missed right yeah but i'm right i'm the biggest fear i had when this uh when we decided that we we're going to do this story because on the same piece of paper we're talking about that human trafficking ring mm -hmm. in the same place. Yeah. And my biggest fear is that she's far away from that base. And, uh, and, and I read another article where the people were, the family was asking that the FBI take over. I think the scope, the scope of this, um, with the, with the other things that are happening in Port Hood, the scope of this could be, so, such a huge thing with a network of things and yeah. um, I think I think the resources of the FBI are probably more appropriate and I hope that the the egos of jurisdiction don't yeah. prevent that from happening all right well we are running super long here so Ashley let's go to you for the shout outs uh, I just I to to echo sentiment I want to give a shout out to their family and all the folks that are supporting um, Vanessa and finding Vanessa because this is important and um, I and to, to Jeff's point you know these things are really devastating on the humanitarian level and we need to fix it and we need eyes on and we need to find this young lady and we need to right the wrong and, and get her squared away and I just want to give a shout out to 
the families or anybody else who maybe um, can't find a, a loved one potentially due to human trafficking or is missing. Um, but, you know, take this time to, you know, call and check in, you know, be there, check in on your battles. Yeah. Jeff, shout out. All right, and the theme of Jeff is all fired up today. Let's, uh, I'm going to give my shout out to the Barstow California Veterans Home. I don't know if either of you have heard about this. It was in the midst of budget cuts here in California, especially because of COVID. It was proposed to uh, cut that funding for the Barstow Veterans Home, which is home to 200 uh, senior, senior veterans that would wow. then all of a sudden be homeless without resources. And again, I'm using the knife hand because we're talking about cuts. And again, I'm using the knife hand because I'm so thankful that the legislature uh, just chopped that provision out of out of the, the budget cuts. And I'm so thankful that the American Legion, including uh, and especially the riders, were very instrumental in bringing this story to the public they did they did a ride there they they did a, a mass uh rider gathering i don't know what you call that uh there's probably an interesting cool name for a rider gathering of more than so many and if not we need to make one up so i'm super thankful that the outrage had a good outcome and shout out to everybody who did that and a shout out to those um those warriors who will now not have to struggle. Holly said the uh, our producer Holly says she thinks it's called a romp. I would have gone with a, a, a moot, like a, like the ant moot in Lord of the Rings, just a uh, you oh, know a go. gathering events. She's saying that's a real thing. The rider romp she, is a real thing. Saying. She's saying it's called a rider romp. I don't right. know. Uh, and my shout out today is to uh, the men of the uh, 75th Ranger Regiment. About 300 of them uh, were notified by their leadership last week that they would be moving to another barracks um, for quarantine for two weeks for COVID. Um, and when they got there, it turned out that they did not have a defect. The, they didn't have a chow hall set up for them. And they had posted pictures of what they were eating. And if you've ever seen the Fire Fest, uh, I don't know if you remember the Fire Festival, the sandwich that these Rangers are getting looked exactly like the Fire Festival. It was two pieces of white bread with one thing of American cheese and some roast beef that looked incredibly questionable. Uh, and so these guys did what any good American would do, and they started to GoFundMe. Uh, the GoFundMe has received a ton of money. Uh, and one of the things on there, it didn't mention it, and then I got later in it, it appears that they're just ordering all kinds of food from Jimmy John's. So shout out to Jimmy John's, shout out to the 75th Ranger Regiment, and a shout out to everyone else who has Make donated to the GoFundMe. The story is on SoFrep, that's S-O-F-R-E-P.com. That's the special operations uh, website. The story is is fairly funny. Uh, I mean, I I laughed when all the millennials got their two pieces of bread as at the Firefest. And if you haven't seen the Firefest documentary on Netflix, it is 100% laugh out loud funny. But come on, man, this is the Ranger Regiment. Those guys need like 6,000 calories a day, and you're giving them a sandwich that wouldn't even placate my two year old for 20 minutes. 
Uh, come on, Army, get it together. Mm-mm-mm. Get them a defect. Get them some food. Uh, although now they got enough money to to get Jimmy John's every day. <laughs> and Jimmy John's franchise. <laughs> I, I, I I applaud them. Like I, I like you think there's like one dude on a Jimmy John's bike who's riding over there with 400 sandwiches strapped to his back, or what do you think Clean, they got going on there? Bicycle. Yeah, I mean, like usually, usually out. when you get two, three hundred guys out in the field, that you know, like the Roach Coach will show up selling yeah. something. You'd think they needed that, but all right, folks, that is all we have here from the American Ooh. Legion headquarters autonomous zone uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, stay safe, stay home, stay happy, and Legion on, guys. I will see you for uh, a special edition coming up here. And uh, everybody say goodbye to Goofy. And what was the final count on Hubby? Was, oh, it, was it 11? Only I, only, I only counted during that segment. And I, I think because it was a video <laughs> gaming segment and that's the only video game I play is County actually saying, my husband. A and shout out because the only thing we've seen almost of the a dozen. husband. I think it's, it was almost a dozen. I think his, his butt did make a cameo in our last video. So if you really want to know, that was it. Uh, other than that, he's just my husband. Approved. <laughs> All right, everybody. Stay safe. Stay home. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.